Hey guys, thanks for tuning us in for this 22nd episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests for this episode include comedian Esther Povitsky, country singer Courtney Dickinson, comedian Aries Spears, Kim Fields and Tressa Azarel Smallwood, and rock music legend Steve Hackett from Genesis. If you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, comment, leave some feedback, and of course, share with your friends. Up first is stand-up comic Esther Povitsky. First off, Esther, great to visit with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's hot for my name because I, uh, you know, I have a quite ugly name, so I feel like I'm at least hot for my name. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I transposed it cor- incorrectly. Yeah, hot for my name, but now now Esther, what? When did uh, when did comedy become a, a a thing that 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 you were like maybe this is my reality? Oh well, you know I've always been a huge fan of Saturday Night Live and Seinfeld, um, and I just really felt like like that was the only thing that made me happy. You know, it was the only thing that I really loved, and I didn't even necessarily know that I was going to be great at it. I just knew that I wanted to be involved with it in any way that I could. Um, you know, shows like Family Guy and The Simpsons. I just, I really have always loved comedy. Now, what do you, what do you think is the biggest uh, mis- mistake that people have about comedians? I mean, obviously everybody expects you to be on and uh, to, be, to be funny at yeah. all times, but, but aside from that, what is maybe one of the biggest misconceptions folks have? Um, yeah, I would think that maybe that comedians must be really social is a really good misconception, um, a big misconception. I'm, I'm really not quite as social as I think I used to be, you know, because maybe before stand-up you are, but once you start doing it, you kind of give all your social skills just to your stand-up act and all that, that brain space. So I would say that comedians are probably more homebodies than maybe people think. And uh, with with the special coming out, uh, especially at this time, uh, it's obviously promotion is is a little bit different than probably it's it's ever been yeah. before or that it's ever gonna be. But Esther, what has been the biggest challenge uh, getting the word out, if you will? Um, I think it's like you know the normal ways you promote things you simply can't do. You know, I I can't get on a plane and fly to New York and you know go in person and do the radio shows there and. Um, TV appearances, like, that stuff is just not on the table anymore right now, and the other crazy thing, it's like, the reason you do a special is so that people can buy tickets to come see you, and so it's been really weird doing this and going through this process, but knowing that there there's not going to be a tour this year, you know, there's not going to be even local shows, so, but at the same time, there's also this other new excitement that people are looking for new things to watch, and, and appointment TV, which has, like, gone out the window the last 10 years, is kind of coming back. You know, people are excited to, I hope people will be excited to kind of watch something that airs tonight on a Friday night, which I just don't think, I never, I honestly didn't expect that when I filmed this. I'm like, people will watch it on on their computers later, and now I'm like, no, people I think are going to watch it at home on TV and Friday night. There's no movie theaters open, you know? Now, now, Esther, what uh, uh, d- during this time has it has it been a time that has been inspirational for you in your writing, or or has it made it maybe a little bit a, a little bit more murky, a little harder to 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 get the inspiration? 
you know, I'm definitely the person that has not had an easy time being inspired because the thing with stand-up, it's like we do this because it's instant gratification, right? You get to write the jokes, go on stage that night, and you know right away, do people love it? Do they hate it? And so it's been really hard to be motivated to write anything stand-up when you know, like, or I'm sorry, when you don't know, when the heck am I going to get on stage again? I have no freaking clue. So I've been doing other things completely. I have been tie-dyeing. I have been podcasting. I have been trying to cook, failing at many different dishes. But, but yeah, no, I am just, I am like, it's a, I'm a whole new person. <laughs> Now, now, what have you learned most about yourself in this time as uh, that, that that you think is going to make a maybe a change in your life over the last few months? Um, I would say I've learned that I actually care about what I wear more than I thought. Like I usually just when I go and do stand up, I just throw on any old sweats and sweatshirt. Like I'm not looking my best or anything. But since being in quarantine. That's all I have is picking out an outfit. And I've, like, never been better dressed than when I'm just sitting in my house all day. Granted, I'm I'm wearing, like, just cute sweatpants. You know, I'm not exactly dressed up, but I'm actually color-coordinating for the first time in my life. I never would have thought I'd, I'd see this in myself. That's awesome. And again, the, uh, the, the special on uh, Comedy Central, Esther Pavitsky, Hot for My Name is uh, the name of the special. And Esther, always want to make sure and let folks know where they can find more information about that and, of course, all of your social media as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Esther Monster and Little Esther on Twitter. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, Esther, it's been great to visit with you this morning. Looking forward to the special, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again real soon. I would love that. Yeah, I really appreciate it. All right, guys, our next guest here on the Good Questions with Cameron Dole is uh, another one of our friends, uh, made made friends with uh, Courtney, I guess it's been about two or three years ago now at uh, CMA Fest in Nashville. Courtney Dickinson uh, has a brand new single. We'll be talking about that as well. And Courtney, first off, uh, always good to talk to you, my friend. So good to talk to you, too. It, it has been a long time, but it's always, always good to talk to you. And, and Courtney, tell our tell our listeners, and I, I kind of want to hear it from from your side a little bit. I know you you sent me the the information about the song. It was right about two weeks ago, and I, and I, I remember my response back to you was, uh, "I'm probably not going to check it out this week, especially after the warning you gave me." Uh, but uh, th- this is a very special song, and I am now understanding uh, the the concept of of what the song means as well, Courtney. Yes. So this song for me, um, it took, it took a couple of years to write. It was one of those things for me. Um, I had a super, super close relationship with all three of my grandparents and the last few years, pretty much not more, more a few years, more like the last six years on and off. Um, I had three grandparents and they all have passed in the last six years. So if people do know me, they'll see these little spikes that I've had with music a high and then I kind of dwindle out for a bit and people are like, what is she doing? And usually what that was is a grandparent got sick and our family, we are one of those families that when someone gets sick, we're the ones that we rally around them and we take care of them. So it took me a while to be able to um, emotionally be okay with writing this song. And finally I did. And I'm so glad I did because 
Um, last year was such a big year for me personally. I graduated college while doing music and promoting my own single. And I also got married. And it's just these big moments in your life that you really want the people you love to be there. And my grandparents were those people that I wanted to be there. And in those moments, you felt them there. You know, they weren't there physically, but you kept, you know, I always thought about, well, if they were here, I know they'd be doing this right now. And that's kind of where where the song came from. And I feel like it's just something anyone can relate to that has lost somebody super personal to them and can relate their own stories to the song. That's right. And, and and you did give me the warning not to watch you know, or listen to it quite yet. And I and I do have to say thank you for that. Uh, and we were we were messaging yesterday and you asked me, you were like, have you listened to it? And I was like, you know, I think I'm finally ready to listen. And the timing was perfect, Courtney. And and, and for you, I mean, obviously you're getting feedback uh, from from other folks on the song as well. And uh, is that kind of the, the same feedback you're getting from from the other folks as well? Definitely. You know, and if you have lost someone recently, extremely recently, yes, it's one of those things to be warned about because, and it's not necessarily that it's a sad song. I think it's more of, um, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. It's almost a positive thing because it's like, you know what, you're not here, but you still are. Um, I still see you in all these things and you still live on. Um, so I am, I'm getting the same kind of the same response from people in that, they can relate. It's just a different type of way they can relate. For me, it was my grandfa- grandparents. For others, it, it might be a cousin. It might, you know, it just, it depends on people's own, their own lives. And, and a lot of the things that I talk about in the song, people might not be relate to that exact thing, but they can think of a moment that reminds them of that person and it takes them back. So yeah, I definitely think so. And, and Courtney, for you, the uh, uh, one of the messages I, I passed along to you yesterday after I listened to the song was, uh, and it's something that I appreciate about uh, getting to know some of the artists uh, early on as well is seeing the, uh, the the maturity and the 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 voice. Uh, I, your your voice has grown. I, I can tell a, a big difference over uh, when I first met you. And for for you, uh, how? I guess question, what do you work on the most vocally uh, in your technique? Is there, is there certain things that you work on over others? I think for me, I think that the, just the sound of my voice has just changed because of my age. Um, One is that, you know, when you're 19, even 22, 23, your voice is still, it's not where it's going. It's not what it's going to sound like forever. Um, And I think that a lot of it for me was just continuing to practice and branching out and doing different types of songs in my set list, like cover songs and stuff that it just made me kind of grow and get out of my, my comfort zone and made me start writing different lyrically and, and melodically too. Um, So I don't think it's necessarily a technique that I've been working on. I think it's just practice, practice, practice and you know, just kind of growing up and and being an adult now. Um, it's just I think it's just a little different um, because of my age. Now, this year being so much different for for everybody, and we've spoken about this as well. The the new single doing this uh, the the the, the uh, 
home the the homebound version, if you will, uh, the the promotion for that. As an independent artist, for for the listeners out there that uh, you know they hear you on the radio, what is the what, what's the behind the scenes like, uh, independent promotion wise for you? Well, for this song, it's been completely different <laughs> um, than any other song I've done because of the year it is. So like even just in the recording process, normally I recorded in my producer's home studio, which, you know, is professional. Um, I recorded this song in my closet in my apartment. Um, and, you know, I have behind the scenes videos of that that I plan on sharing just because I think it's kind of funny um, because I'm in this tiny little closet. Um, but promotion wise, too, you know, is an independent artist. It would be wonderful to have a team, and I do have a team. I have a great PR company that's helping me with some things, but, you know, it would be great to have a team for every single thing. As an independent artist, there's so many different things that you need to be doing, whether it be radio, it be your online present, your social media, just everything. And for major artists, they have a team for each one of those things. Um, They probably have a team for every single social platform. So as an independent artist, you're doing it all. And so sometimes it gets overwhelming. And unfortunately, sometimes some things kind of get the back end of the deal. They don't really get the the attention that you want because as an independent artist, you got to do it all. So I would say for people that don't know, it's a lot of work. (laughs) It's not for the faint of heart. No, no. And, you know, I've gotten my feelings hurt a lot over the years because it's also a very tough, tough business. And now I think I have, and this is not to sound bad. This is just part, if people don't know, this is just part of it. As an independent artist, rejection is an almost everyday thing. And it doesn't mean that you're not good or that you're not getting somewhere and that you're not making big steps. It's just a part of it. So I think I've just kind of gotten used to it in a way to where it doesn't bother me. You know, when it doesn't happen, it's just like, oh, well, that person's opinion, they didn't like it. Okay, next. You know, so I think that that's a huge thing is that if it it, it takes a lot of, um, you have to turn your emotions off sometimes. <laughs> And for you, I know that you also have uh, some uh, some hobbies, and and any of uh, your radio friends uh, probably well know get the get the Courtney Dickinson care package in the mail. We always look forward to those. Uh, how much has has your cooking helped you through, especially the the year that twenty twenty has turned out to be? So when all this started, I. My, me and my mom were talking. My mom was like, you should start making stuff again for radio while like, you know, we're, you're sitting around doing nothing, like send it out to people because I was so bored. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how bored I was. And, but then I started thinking and some people, that was when the beginning of this happened. And I didn't think, I thought if I sent it to anybody, people would throw it away because they'd be like, Oh no, it might have, it might have it in the So But I've been cooking so much at my house, like for dinner and stuff like that. And I've tried so many new recipes. Um, Like last night, I made chicken Parmesan. Um, I've just kind of gotten real creative because when you got a lot of time on your hands, and I, I love cooking. I really do. I love baking. I love cooking. I find it super enjoyable. And everyone seems to like what I make. So it, it works out good. <laughs> Now, now, who instilled the, the the love of cooking? Was that your mom, or or did it come even uh, uh, more generational than that? So, 
I think when I was a kid, my mom definitely let me in the kitchen. Her mom never really let her kind of cook with her in the kitchen. So I guess it was something that was important to my mom. So, yeah, I mean, as a kid, there's pictures of me baking um, with flour all over me. And I remember my grandparents, my granny and my pop, bought me an Easy Bake Oven. That was the thing when I was a kid. I don't know if they still exist. They still do. They do? Okay. Well, that was an amazing thing. And I think every kid that is interested in baking should have one of those because, oh my gosh, I loved making stuff in that. I think that's kind of where it kind of started is that easy bake oven. Um, I loved that thing. It was, that thing was so cool. <laughs> now, now what, uh, what, what, what is the next step for, for the single? Obviously uh, trying to get it out there to, to more stations. Are you doing more? Uh, I know we're working on uh, doing a, a Facebook takeover next week. Are you have more of those, uh, those lined up as well, Courtney? Yeah, I actually did one um, last night and I have a couple more lined up for the next few weeks, but um, I'm also releasing a music video that I'm super excited about. So that's kind of the next step other, other than, you know, promoting the single is I'll be releasing that music video and I'm just super excited about it because people that don't know me personally yet are going to get to know me really well in this video. I actually filmed it at my grandparents' farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, um, that they left to my parents when they passed. So people kind of get to see where I grew up as a kid, like hanging out with my grandparents. So that's one thing I'm really, really excited to share. That's awesome. And uh, I, I want to make sure, Courtney, to let our listeners know where to keep up with uh, upcoming uh, releases, uh, all of your uh, tour information, whenever the uh, things start opening up a bit as well. So you can find all that information at CourtneyDickinson.com, which is D-I-C-K-I-N-S-O-N. And my socials are pretty much the same. It's just Courtney Dickinson Music. So Facebook, um, Instagram, TikTok now, um, they're all there. So it's pretty easy to find. And um, my website lists all the tour dates and everything. So, And that will include Facebook Takeover. So if you can't make it to a live show because... I don't have many of them right now. And the ones I do are pretty much, you know, local and small. You can watch from the comfort of your own home. And there you go. Well, Courtney, it's uh, it's always great to visit with you. And uh, I, I'm really enjoying the new single and uh, look forward to talking again real soon, my friend. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Our next guest is comedian Ari Spears talking about his latest season of his podcast. Stand-up comic and uh, podcaster now, beginning year number two of skywriting with skywriting. Easy for me to say. Just Aries Spear on the line with us this morning. Aries first. Thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Oh no, no problem. Thank you for having me. Now, when you first got into the podcasting, I mean, was did did you think it was going to go into uh, past the, the the first year, or what were your what were your initial thoughts going into it? Uh, you know, I, I I just really wanted to to try to grow as quickly as possible. I mean, I know that the uh, podcast ocean is a big ocean, and the thing you want to do is not just be another fish in a in a big pond. So I just wanted to do exactly what we needed to do to stand out and kind of put ourselves out there. And and now that you got a year under your belt, what what's the biggest thing that uh, that you have learned that uh, well that th- that doesn't go over as well as you thought maybe originally? Um, you know, we're still we're 
still learning as we go, man. Um, you know, when you look at everything in terms of perspective, there are guys who are working on episode 700, and right now we're at episode almost like 180. So we still have a long way to go, uh, and we're a work in progress. But um, as far as, you know, what not to do, what to do, you know, that's kind of what we pride ourselves on, and, and that's the theme of our podcast is we are anti-political correctness and cancer culture, and, you know, we're 100% uncut Bolivian cocaine, baby. And, and you, you you talked about uh, the the PC and, and and especially in in comedy. We we talked to Judy Gold earlier this week about how PC is is affecting comedy. And from your side of things, how is how is that? How do you see that as well? Yeah, it don't affect me because I'm I'm Floridian with my comedy. I stand my ground, you know. And I come from that old school, you know, George Carlin, Richard Pryor era, where the best comedy is comedy that's honest and it doesn't uh, falter or waver. So uh, it doesn't affect me because I'm who I am, and you either like it or you leave me alone. And, and Aries, for you during this time, uh, has the podcast kind of helped keep things maybe some semblance of normal in the, in this crazy time we're living in right now? Yeah, and I think people need that. Um, I think, you know, between COVID and racial strife and cancer culture and political correctness, I just think people are kind of fed up. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that our podcast is kind of that outlet that you listen and live vicariously through in terms of honesty and just being real um, and giving people what they want. So I take pride in it. And and I know that uh, you did the Pandora station and you've gone over 300 million streams. I mean, how crazy is that whenever you start looking at the numbers? Yeah, I never really paid attention to the numbers. So when I got that news, unbeknownst to me, uh, yeah, it was it was it was shocking, and uh, I'm grateful for it. That's awesome. Now, uh, Aries, I always want to make sure and let folks know where they can where they can check out the podcast and and also keep up with everything you got going on social media as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's available on all streaming platforms: Google Play, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Or I tell people simply just hit me up in my Instagram under my name Aries Spears, and I will personally send you the links if you DM me. All right. Well, again, Aries, it's been great to visit with you this morning. Hope you have a great weekend and uh, more success on the on the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much, sir. Of course, you can find his podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Our next guests are actress and director and executive producer Kim Fields, along with her friend Tressa Azarel Smallwood. First off, thank you guys so much for taking some time to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now, now tell us when this was first approached to you from uh, from from BET. Her, what was your initial reaction and and the excitement leading up to the projects? First off, for Kim, sorry. Wow, I, I think I think for me, uh, as the producer, when I was first introduced to it, I was excited just the fact that I had never been approached to do these types of projects before. Um, you know, most most times in films, we look for you know entertainment, uh, but these stories impact you know African American communities, and so for me, it was it was just you know I was elated. And then of course I got to work with Kim, which just doubled the icing on the cake. <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I second uh, what, what Tressa just said in terms of, you know, the type of project that it is. Uh, and, and when I was asked to be a part of it, uh, first and foremost from the standpoint of they were selecting four um, 
female directors that were also uh, actresses uh, and black women. And so to be considered in that category with uh, the the uh, other women, the other badasses, as I say, has been really just tremendous. <laughs> And, and the, the, the timeliness of it right now, uh, how important do you think it is? Uh, Tress, I'll ask you first off, how important is it to you, the, the timing of the release, and uh, maybe to see people getting behind uh, the cause as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think for years, people did not want to talk about mental health or, you know, just, you know, people getting help. Now, more than ever before, people are now speaking out. You know, it's almost like it's cool to talk about it now. I mean, if you look at what's been going on since the pandemic, we're seeing it more and more with, you know, celebrities speaking out about it. And so, you know, from a time factor, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and Kim, during the pandemic, everybody's been uh, having to deal with it different ways. What, what has been your way of, of dealing with the uh, isolation, the unavailability of being around uh, the, the friends that you normally hang out with? Well, certainly leaning on FaceTime has been a tremendous, tremendous help, <laughs> definitely. Uh, not much of our lifestyle was impacted by this. Our kids were already homeschooled since last spring, uh, so that, that was something that was, you know, something we were already doing. Uh, and our family is very, very close-knit anyway. Uh, so if anything, the, the first part of the pandemic um, was different for us in terms of we were apart from Chris. Uh, and so while he was in uh, Atlanta, the kids and I were in uh, L.A. because I was doing my series uh, on Netflix, The Upshaws. And so that was, you know, a challenge uh, for the first couple of months. But other than that, um, just constantly checking in, constantly checking in, sending text messages, uh, those little gifts that say, you know, sending a virtual hug, um, little voice memos and things like that, just so that there's, there's just that constant sense of check-in, of love, of light, of support, um, hearing from each other. And then social media, I do these live chats. Uh, that have become insanely popular, much to my surprise. Um, uh, but but I think overall, you know, just um, being a part of of conversations and things that are important, but also finding the time to keep it light and lighthearted because this is a pandemic. And then we have, you know, the wave and the uh, very uh, game-changing wave of social unrest and, and working through that. So... We've dealt with some very, very heady issues, you know, and, and certainly now, now more than ever is the time to, you know, talk about uh, and, and explore mental health awareness and how to make that a part of your everyday narrative in terms of self-care. And Teresa, on the on the opposite side of the screen, as a producer, director, and uh, seeing seeing things in from a different way than the, than on the on screen, the the acting side of things, has has the pandemic has has it maybe brought inspiration, or has the inspiration been a little bit more difficult for you to find? I've been inspired to push through even more because obviously with the pandemic, when you talk about being able to film during a pandemic, you know, we filmed these projects um, in eight days total. Each project took two days, but we had to actually endure the fact that everything would be different on set. You know, there was no more touching and hugging and picking up the same items that we used to and, 
coming behind each other. And so we had to, to be able to push through that. Um, but this is the new normal. Anytime we film anything now, this is what it's going to be. So I think that was that was what I had to deal with most, how to film these projects and keep us all safe. There you go again. BET Her presenting The Couch. That's coming up this Saturday, 9 Eastern, 8 local time. And uh, Kim and Dressa, it has been great to visit with you guys this morning. I appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again real soon. Thank you you so much. And our final guest is rock legend, guitarist Steve Hackett. You know him from his time with Genesis. We'll be talking about a brand new CD DVD release. First off, Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron. Very nice to talk to you. And and this uh, th- th- this special live performance uh, for you, Steve, to have this out and about. Uh, how cool is it for you on a personal level to to, to see this crowning achievement, if you will? Well, I, I love revisiting this material. Um, uh, it's got special significance for me because John Lennon said that we were one of the bands that he was listening to at that time, and um, he gave an interview and. and um, we were still a very young, struggling band, as Genesis was at that time, and it, it, it made a, a huge difference. So I, I'm always grateful for that, because we spent a lot of time, when we were kids, growing up listening to Beatle records, of course. Hugely important for us Brits, and I believe for you guys on the other side of the pond. Now, was it, was it the, 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 the love that you got from England and, and from those, those listeners and those fans, what kept you going, and uh, even, like you said, through those lean times to what would, uh, would eventually just be an explosion for Genesis? Yeah, it's funny, when you think of the trajectory of a band, um, I started this, or rather, you know, I joined a band that had already done a couple of albums. They'd, they'd been at school together. Um, and then Phil Collins joined three months before I did. He came from a stage school background and had already done films, and he'd been in the musical Oliver. Uh, but the other guys, you know, had been in this all-boys school, locked away in boarding school, so they had plenty of time to write songs together and get to know each other. Um, but when I joined, it was it was a band that was doing um, uh, free lunchtime concerts and... Um, clubs and colleges, if we were lucky. Uh, and then, a couple of years later, we started to tour the States, which is when John Lennon said, um, at the time of selling, selling England by the Pound, that he, uh, the Genesis was one of the bands that he was listening to. So I'm still uh, proud of that era of the stuff we were doing. Um, um, so I think, you know, if, if the Beatles were doing anything weird and wonderful, we would definitely riding in on the coattails of that, and uh, as were many bands, such as King Crimson and Procol Harum, and um, bands that all admitted, one way or another, publicly, that the Beatles had changed the game, and had kicked open the doors, kicked them down, and for the rest of us to do anything we wanted to do between jazz and rock and pop and and any other pan-genre approach we had, where you, you could experiment as much as you wanted a very healthy kind of climate musically at that time. And as you look back at the at the climate then is and at the, and then where the musical climate is now, I mean, are are you kind of blown away by how many different directions everything has gone? Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, I've I've made some uh, friends with um, you know recent acts who I think are very very good uh, these days. Um, I was talking to Guy Darby, uh, the singer with Elbow and. Um, 
uh, he was interviewing me on radio, funnily enough, and um, we become pals. And very, very interesting, the fact that they've got, kind of got this uh, similar approach, the, the pan-genre approach, and not afraid to do uh, dark storytelling stuff. Um, and uh, bands like News, for instance, another British band that I think are uh, influenced by everything from Chopin to Prince. And um, uh, so there, there is new stuff out there. And I, I simply love the work of Joe Bonamassa, reinvigorating the blues and blasting away like a good one. Um, so that's really, really good. I love, love the idea of anyone who says that blues is simple, you know, needs to hear him him take it by the scruff of the neck and serve it up with such vigor and energy. So um, uh, I think music's in a good place right now in the hands of a few of these people that, uh, that I've luckily spent a little bit of time with. And uh, uh, it, 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 there is a camaraderie. And there is a spirit out there. And we might as well change it all now because, you know, everyone's been locked down for so long. So I think it'll, it'll produce some very, very interesting music long term. And, and as you look at the the, the music's landscape uh, around the world, and and as you listen to new music, do you do you still hear the, the the Genesis influence on on some of the new music? Does it still kind of catch you off guard that way? Yeah, I think so. Um, I can I can sometimes hear the influence, and, and many times acts were saying to me uh, that they've been influenced by what Genesis did at one time, and it may not be that obvious to me, um, but. Um, um, I've worked with Stephen Wilson in, in, in recent years. He's done the surround mix on this current album, The Selling England um, Revisit. And um, uh, so he, he, he told me, you know, what an influence it has all been on him. And he'll sometimes play me something and say, well, can't you hear the influence of the musical box or something like that? And I say, well, it's not obvious to me, but to him it, 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 it's, it's very obvious. So, um, uh, so luckily, you know, it's pan-genre, but it's also intergenerational as well and and, and, and that's good I, I think music doesn't have to just speak to, to one era you know I don't, I don't think it's quite like it was at, at one time when it was um, you know, the, the, the Frank Sinatra era didn't really speak to the, to the hippie generation in a way um, although you know you have certain writers of, of, of course um, who were like Jimmy Webb who were able to, to um, you know, a bridge the generation gap in a way, um, and wrote extraordinarily beautiful songs that 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 are, are well. It's a bit like the Western, isn't it? You know, describing the landscape of of America in in a way. But you know, I know that he was influenced by Vaughan Williams, English composers, and church music, and all that. So, you know, the background of heroes perhaps is not that dissimilar to what Genesis like to listen to. That's right. Now, uh, Steve, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find more information uh, about the new release. Also, uh, everything else you've got going on social media-wise as well. Yeah, well, uh, my website is called hackitsongs.com. So, H-A-C-K-E-T-T-S-O-N-G-S, hackitsongs.com. And um, you'll get all the information about billions of things that I've been doing over millennia. Well, Stephen, it's been great to visit with you. You've been a big fan for, for many years. hope you have a great rest of your week, you. and hopefully we can catch up again real soon. Wonderful. Lovely to talk. Thank you so much. 
Again, thanks for tuning us in for this 22nd episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, anything else you'd like to know, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on the Facebook page, all at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help out with the funding for this podcast, feel free to click the support tab and follow the instructions. We'll see you for episode number 23 real soon.